clearly Pastor Ed's not here today. Uh, he and Kathy are, uh, are unexpectedly out of town. There was a, uh, an unexpected medical issue with Kathy, uh, and he's uh, taking care of his wife, as he should, um, putting his, uh, his priorities there as, as they should be. Uh, so I would just ask that you pray for them. Um, he will be back next week for Easter for sure, and, um, and we're looking forward to that day, as I, as I know he is. So again, just, just keep them in your prayers. Uh, this week, if you could. Um, so I get to, uh, to bring this message in the, in the Hopeless uh, series here. Uh, last week, Pastor Ed talked about the seasons of hopelessness that we go through, the, the season of I want, the season of, of waste. He talked about the season of regrets and the season of, of restoration. And he talked um, through those things and, and how we can apply those things to ourselves and we should. We should definitely apply those things to ourselves, um, and, and looking at, at how, how we can grow and we can learn from that. Um, but the thing is, we're not called to keep the hope of Jesus to ourselves. We're not called to, to keep that just to ourselves. 1 Peter 3.15 says, uh, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So, if we're, if we're always needing to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have, then that means it needs to be personal. That means um, that it must be in us for us to be able to share it. Um, today we're talking about how to take hope to people who, who can't see hope. And, and if you're walking through life hopeless, if you're walking through life maybe spiritually blindfolded, then how can we be expected to help others? If that's how we're feeling, how can we be expected to help others? That's, that's a lot of the, the idea of what we're gonna get into um, today. It's, it's gotta be personal for us to be able to, to reach out to somebody else. You don't, uh, you don't take advice from somebody who's you know, maybe done terribly at something that you're looking for advice from. You know, I'm not gonna jump into a pool and ask somebody how to swim who has no idea how to swim. That just doesn't even make sense. And so for us to be able to share hope with other people, if we don't have that hope within us, then what good are we going to be? So I'm going to jump right into to number one here. If you've got your outline or you want to jump into the Bible app and follow along, I would encourage you to do that um, so that you can really look at these things. And, and I really want to ask you from the very beginning to, to really apply this stuff to, to yourself personally, because while we are talking about reaching out to others, um, it very much has to start with us. And so number one, um, right off the bat, says personally hold tight to hope and make it yours. Personally hold tight to hope and make it yours. If we're going to bring hope to other people, we need to be an example of hope first. If we are going to reach the people around us that maybe are feeling hopeless and, and we don't have that hope within us, then then how can we be an example of that hope? It says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. We need to hold tightly without wavering to the hope that, that we have. We need to hold tightly to that and to be able to show others around us that we are holding tightly to that. There's gonna be a few action points throughout the morning. And so I wanna go to the very first one right here. It says, we can open people's eyes to hope 
if they see Christ in us. We can open people's eyes to hope if they see Christ in us. You're filling being Christ there. You know, being an authentic Christian, being the same person that you are here as you are there, as you are there, as you are wherever someone might come in contact with you. See, it's, it's who we are, not what we do. If just coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and Bible studies or whatever is just what you do, it's gonna be pretty clear to everyone else the authenticity of that because it's just what you do. It's not who you are. See, it should be who, who we are. And if we're gonna open people's eyes to the hope of Jesus, they need to see Christ in us as far as who we are. There's this attitude, this idea right now. Um, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily just right now, but, but I think this kind of sums up maybe the, the way that society is acting toward many, many things right now. And it's this idea that it doesn't matter what I do as long as I'm not hurting anyone. We've heard that. We've heard people say that. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm, I'm not hurting anyone, so I'm, I'm going to be me. You do you. I'm going to be me. It's not hurting anyone. That could not be further from the truth. It's, that mentality opens doors to things that God never intended. It opens doors to secret sins. It opens doors to, uh, to many things that honestly leads to hopelessness, leads to spiritual blindness in some ways. Let me give an extreme example here. Like I said, this is an extreme example, but it's an example that I think is very relevant because I don't think we would necessarily disagree that the moral compass in our country, in our society, is virtually non-existent. There is a, it's a gray area, I suppose, or even areas that don't even exist in terms of like morality and what's right and what's wrong. Let me use the example of pornography. Most Americans believe, would say that they believe that pornography is bad for society. Seems reasonable to me. But would it surprise you, and maybe it wouldn't, surprise you that a lot of those attitudes are actually shifting toward neutrality or even the idea of being good for society in younger generations. In fact, half of adults think that viewing porn is wrong. Half of adults, they say. This is according to studies from Barna. That also means that half of adults think that it's fine, if you really think about that. If half say that it's, it's bad, then that means half think that it's fine. Only one-third of teens and young adults believe that it's wrong to view pornography. Now, if we're, if we're looking at that, and we're looking at these younger generations and, and all that that are believing that, doesn't that makes sense to say that there are probably, most likely, a whole bunch of Christians, quote, Christians, lumped into that. It would almost have to be. People who claim that they follow Jesus that are lumped into those statistics. Let me read this to you because this just blew my mind. So I'm just gonna read it word for word. And this is from Barna again. It says, when asked to rank a series of bad things, bad things, a person could do, such as stealing, lying, having an affair, even overeating, teens and young adults placed all porn-related actions at the very bottom of the list. In fact, teens and young adults said not recycling is more immoral than viewing pornographic images. Not recycling. They also placed thinking negatively about someone with a different point of view as much worse activity than viewing porn. 
Look, I'm all for recycling. I, I think we should. I'm, I'm down with that. But good grief. <laughs> I don't think that's the worst. But yet, this is where we're at. 11% of teens and just 5% of young adults say that their friends think viewing, pat, viewing porn is bad. Which means, again, that means that there's got to be a whole bunch of people who claim to be Christians wrapped up in these numbers and in these statistics. We need to show Christ through how we live. Not through what we are against, but what we are for. We can be much more effective and are called to be much more effective in showing what we are for, not what we are against. Again, that's an extreme example, but let me ask you this. Are we for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit? There's no law against such things, according to Galatians 5. Are we for those things? Look at 1 Peter 3.16. It says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. People are watching. People are watching. And with social media now, people are, they're watching more than ever. There are 214 million users on Facebook in the United States. There are 325 million people in the United States. And we post about everything, whether we should or shouldn't. We know who's doing what, when, where, and how. Even the most intimate things, we just, well, I'll at least add it to my story. You know what I mean? We do. We know everything that's going on with everybody. How we live our life matters. It does. It does matter. It matters for the cause of Christ. It matters for you. It's not just one of those things, oh, well, I'm not hurting anybody. That's not the mentality that we should have. It's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, had such a tough time when he first started out his ministry. You may have just blown past this, this one particular part of, of, of his story, but Paul, who was Saul, okay, this guy was the worst. Saul was the worst. He hunted down and killed Christians for fun, because it was what he liked to do, right? This guy was the worst, and everybody knew it until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going down the road, he meets Jesus, he's blinded. He's blinded, and he doesn't get his sight back until he does a couple of things. Number one, he's obedient. And number two, he accepts his calling that God has given him. But no one took it seriously. No one took him seriously right at first because of the reputation that went before him because everybody knew this guy was the worst and he hated Christians. And it even says in Acts 9.26 that they did not truly believe him when he first starts preaching the gospel. But he kept on doing it and he kept on doing it and he ended up using the, the part of him that was the worst as a bit of, um, of an example to other people so that he could show them that he knew exactly what they were thinking and to be able to preach the gospel even more. But right off the bat, he, was, he really had a tough time right at first because everybody knew who he was and everybody knew how he was. You know the best form of advertising? Word of mouth. Word of mouth today is still the best form of advertising. Why is word of mouth still the best form of advertising? Well, 
because you get a testimony from somebody of an authentic, positive experience that they've had from somebody that you trust. That's why word of mouth still to this day and probably forever will be the best form of advertising. Do you know what the worst form of advertising can be? Word of mouth. Word of mouth can be the worst form of advertising and it's because somebody can make up whatever they want and they can spread lies and poison and, and, and destruction and false information. But here's the difference. If you know the source, then you know what you're getting. If you know the source and you know what you're getting, you're not gonna take advice from somebody on, on something that, that you know you can't trust them basically with anything that they say. You hear them you know, give a, a, you know, an account of something or a reputation of something and you're like, I really know because you know the source. So let me ask you this. Did the people in your life know what they're getting if you are the source? This is what I'm getting at with all of this. How we live our life matters. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the hope that you have in him, do the people in your life, if you're the source, know what they're getting? That's a tough question. So how do we take hope to people who can't see hope? Well, that's number two. We need to participate in God's community of hope. Participate. That's our fill in there. We all have a part in this. We all have a part in this, guys. Sharing the hope of Jesus, the hope of the resurrection, the hope that we have of a life free from, from guilt and, and, and shame is something that we are all called to do. All of us are a part of that. Ephesians 4, 16 in your notes says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There are hopeless people right here, right now. And while a lot of this talk is about helping reach out to those that maybe aren't in this room, that maybe aren't in this building, people that aren't in the family of God, that are spiritually blindfolded, that are in your life and you know it, and by showing them the hope of Jesus, because of Jesus, hope lives, and being able to show them that, we need to remember that there are people within the body of Christ that need you and need me. There are people to your left and to your right, sitting in front of you and behind you, that you may have no idea how hopeless they feel when they walked in here this morning. That's the truth. Let's call it what it is. There are people within our own family, within the family of God, that need you and that need me. So our action point here, help others by fulfilling your purpose and serving faithfully. Serving faithfully. And that could be serving the people around you to your left and your right, but that could also be serving maybe out of here and wherever God has planted you. Serving looks different for everybody. The things that maybe you're called to serve or that you're a part of, that, that, you know, the, the situations and circumstances that God has put in your life, that looks different for you than it does for me. Um, two weeks ago, I had the chance, the privilege, the opportunity to go to a women's correctional facility. We took uh, seven of our students and about seven or eight adults, um, and it was awesome. And we took, uh, uh, Pastor Randy went with us, and, and he led worship and set up a little sound system and stuff. And, um, and we took hope, if you will. We took the hope of Jesus 
um, there in the form of cheese and bacon bits on a salad. You might be wondering what I'm talking about. A few of our students here know exactly what I'm talking about that went with me. Let me explain it to you. We go into this place, and there were about 60 women, something along those lines, and, uh, and they all came down for dinner, and we took um, salad and, um, and pasta and, and desserts, and they come in, and they're expecting to just come in and go through the line to get their food. And we're like, nope, go sit down, and we'll serve you. And they're like, what? We're like, sit down, we'll serve you. We'll, we'll bring the food to you. Well, that right there, they were like, you got to be kidding me. We're like, no, it's, it's all good. Go sit down. And they're like, okay. You know, and so they were, and then we bring the salad out to them. And it had cheese and bacon bits and croutons on them. And I'm not kidding. There were a couple of the women that literally almost teared up because they hadn't had a salad like that at this place. They were blown away by cheese and bacon bits and croutons. And the fact that we gave them two dressings to choose from. They're like, normally we just get lettuce and a spork, and that's about it. And they have to go get it themselves. They were blown away. And we hadn't even gotten to the meal yet, and they were already thanking us about 87 times by the time the salad was done. Here's my point. We take hope to others in serving them faithfully. Seven women accepted Christ that night. And it may have just started with something like croutons, but that was a piece of the puzzle. And it took everybody in our crew coming together. Each member of our team came together to serve the, the least of these and to show them the hope of Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. You know who else received hope that night? We did. Our team, our students, and our adults that went and were a part of it. It's not a night any of us will soon forget. I can see a few of them nodding around the room. It was a pretty amazing night. There were a lot of things that didn't go right, but at the end of the day, seven women accepted Christ. And the team that served there we wouldn't have come together for any other reason. We had people from all different demographics, if you want to call it that. We wouldn't have come together for any other reason than for an opportunity that God put in front of us to serve people. And we all just happen to be available and ready and willing. So how about you? Can you participate in God's community of hope this week? Where you're at, where God has put you, is there an opportunity in front of you, maybe that he's shown you, that you can participate and pierce the darkness there? But here's the thing, it begins with loving each other and agreeing wholeheartedly, as this verse says. That's a big part of taking off the blindfold. It truly is. And you do that so that you can, number three here, pierce the darkness and go where hope is needed most. In your life, in the circles that you run in, where is hope needed most? You know. You've seen it. You maybe turned it off a little bit. Maybe thought, that's not my problem. But God has put people in your life, guaranteed. 
Where is hope needed most? You can be the light in that circumstance. You can be the light in that situation. God did not drop you in there so that someone else could do it. We think that a lot. Uh, Somebody else would do that. It's kind of natural. But we need to open our eyes to the fact that God didn't drop us in there just to wave as we drive by. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Our action point here is help others see a way out of the darkness that they live in. How do we do that? Well, I'll tell you how we don't do it. We don't do it in a self-righteous, kind of holier-than-thou, nose-in-the-air kind of way. You're still a sinner just like me, just like everyone else, and I need God's grace as much, if not more, than I ever have in my life. We do this by making his hope our hope. We do this by personally living it out. We do it by participating in God's community of hope, by serving other people and whatever that looks like, whatever opportunity God's put in your path. And we do all of that knowing that the power is not us, but is Christ through us. It's not your power. It's not my power. It's the power of Jesus through us. Look what Jesus said to Saul here in Acts 26, verse 17. And Saul, who we established already, was the worst. He was converting him into Paul in this moment. And he says this, yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. No one is beyond hope. No one is beyond hope. No one is beyond repair. No one is out of God's reach. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there is nothing, hear this, nothing you can do to make God love you less. He loves you unconditionally. And we are the ones he chooses to use to share that message. We are. He's God. He could have done it any way that he wanted. He could have done it any way that he wanted. He could have shared his message with people any way that he wanted. Instead, he chose to use, because he's God, he chose to use the method that is most effective. And you know what that is? Word of mouth. Word of mouth, because it's the most effective. So if I've got a connection point for you for this morning, it is simply this. You have been called to take hope to people who cannot see it. You have been called to take hope to people who cannot see it. We live in a world of hopelessness. People around us every day who truly cannot see any sign of hope. And it's a big responsibility that we have. And it's an honor to love people and to be a part of showing people the hope of Jesus. Tell me something more important than that. 
Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.